I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Beautiful people, beautiful people, beautiful people. I am so glad that you're here. No matter where in the world you are, you know, the fact that you come and spend time in this space means a lot to me. So thank you. And if you are new, hello, what's up? Welcome. I am thrilled because we have with us today a powerhouse you know, a woman, a woman of color who is out here getting it in STEM. I'm loving that I've been meeting these beautiful women in STEM who are out here just changing the game. But we have Dr. Natalie V. Natal with us, who's up out of L.A., so California in the house. But she's definitely going to tell us everything about who she is and, and what she does. And let me just go ahead and say now, for the record, she is a Brooklyn, Brooklyn native. Yeah, Brooklyn native. You yeah, know, Brooklyn's where it's at. And I've been to Brooklyn. Brooklyn's beautiful. Like, New York is beautiful. It's, it's a lot. But, you know, hey, we'll talk about that. Of course. Glad to have you here, Dr. Natal. Please tell us tell us about yourself. Who, who is Dr. Natal out here? Yes, Dr. Natal. So, yes, as you mentioned, I am originally from the Flatbush section of Brooklyn, New York. But I live in Los Angeles, California. And I was born to immigrant parents who hailed from Jamaica, my mother, and Sri Lanka, my father by way of the UK. And uh, yeah, right? <laughs> really interesting. Like, wait a minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. The, by the UK? What were they doing? <laughs> for real, what were they doing? Well, you know, for a lot of folks in the in the Caribbean community, as well as South Asian community, as well as African communities, you know, one of the places that, you know, people went, you know, to try to get a better life was, you know, going to the UK or Canada or, you know, New York. So that was kind of like, you know, those kind of like three kind of main areas where you saw like this, you know, migration. And so, hmm. yeah, you definitely saw in, you know, early years, you know, you had a lot of like those immigrants. And so, you know, both of my parents were, were immigrants at the UK and they both met each other working in a hospital out there. And, you know, and then eventually they moved to the States and, you know, <laughs> started their life in the, in the U.S. and in, in New York. Now, that's really interesting. You don't see that often. Yeah. Yeah. No, but if you speak with a lot of like folks from the Caribbean and, and, you know, some African countries and stuff like, yeah, chances are you might find, you know, that they may have family in, in the UK or, you know, in Canada or, you know, some of these um, other areas. And so, yeah, it's, it's actually kind of a uh, typical amongst, you know, various immigrant communities for sure. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so after college, I moved to California and everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, well, like, what are you doing? Moving out to California, you don't know anybody. And, you know, but I had gotten a job, you know, like literally like right before I graduated. And so I had worked in the automotive industry for six years. And then I transitioned into working into the toy industry 
where I worked for 11 years in product development, making toys. <laughs> and then after being laid off, I really wasn't sure that I wanted to go back into corporate America. And I kind of was like in this, you know, crisis, like, do I go back and do it what I know? Or do I go into higher education, which is something I was thinking about even in college, that at some point in my life, I would like to, you know, go into higher ed. And so after a year, I just kind of like, you know, took some time and I did exactly that. I, I now currently work in the higher education space, specifically in the California Community College System, coaching colleges on redesigning the student experience at our community colleges using what is known as the Guided Pathways Framework in helping to close equity gaps. And as I transitioned into higher education, I also made the leap to go back to school. And as of last semester, I completed my doctoral program at the University of Southern California, Rossier School of Education. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, my and my dissertation explored the use of culturally relevant instructional practices in STEM under the title Reimagining STEM Instruction, an Examination of Culturally Relevant Andragogical Practices to Eliminate STEM Inequities Among Historically Minoritized Students in Community Colleges. And some folks might be like, well, I mean, it's not like you're currently in the sciences specifically. So, you know, why did you go into or, you know, why was it about STEM? And the answer is, is that while I was working in the in the toy industry, a lot of what I what I was doing in product development, you know, had engineering components, had project management components and all of this kind of stuff. And I was one of few, mm. <laughs> one of two. Uh, there was like two of us out of say, I think maybe like our group was like 20 or so. I can't remember. But needless to say, you know, it, it it's hard when you're kind of like the kind of one of you in, in the room representing mm-hmm. in this space. And and not many folks would think that, you know, STEM kind of applies to things like the toy industry or gaming or, you know, things like that, but it does. And so I, I was constantly getting asked to speak at like various career fairs, like high school students, junior high school students and things like that, because they wanted to show a different side of what STEM or STEAM could look like. And, you know, all of the different things that you could do in STEM, not just, you know, being in a research lab or not just being a doctor or not just being a rocket scientist, which all of those are great. But it's really about, you know, what are all of the different things that you can do and really just exposing students. But one of the things that I had come across is that, you know, our students, especially, you know, when it comes to minoritized students, they run into so many barriers in trying to matriculate through, you know, college, you know, with STEM classes. And a lot of it, I mean, there's so many things that go into this, Mm -hmm. but in my research, I really wanted to focus on instruction and what does that look like in the classroom and how can we, you know, essentially better our instruction in the in the classroom and uh, because I work in the community college system I really wanted to, to focus on that because our community colleges really is comprised of a lot of first generation students a lot of minoritized students hmm. and you know that is kind of like their gateway to you know to careers and you know transferring into four-year colleges and so I felt like this is we, we need to 
you know, really kind of focus on this population right here and making sure that they are good so they're able to transfer and not only, you know, be able to transfer, but to be able to thrive and do well in STEM. Mm. Yeah, so I've been listening. Of course, I'm just listening, taking it in. And you've said a couple of things that have me like, that is so cool. <laughs> One of it is, I, let's start with automotive, okay? Okay. You're a woman okay. who just said automotive. Like, yes. we don't start there because, again, yes. it's something to be said. It's, it's the fact that I know women can do and be anything, they can go anywhere. And so, your lived experiences, I don't think, are something that we hear every day. Mm-hmm. So, automotive. And then, toys. Like, what? Like, okay. <laughs> I know. We know that there is somebody who's doing this. I mean, Toys R Us exists and everybody, you know, with all the games and stuff, things for kids. But it's just something to be sitting here right now thinking, yeah, somebody really does do that, don't they? Like they sit there and think about the wheels and the and the steering wheel and all the other like parts that it's made of. Is it plastic? You know, is it gonna put a little Mm -hmm. battery in it? That is fascinating. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So just out of total curiosity. What was mm-hmm. the, the most interesting thing that you took away from both the automotive industry? Because you also have a degree that puts you into logistics and transportation, which I don't think is, again, common for women to pursue. So yes. shout out to you for that. So, yeah. So what are some interesting things that you took away from both industries? Just, I mean, look, while we have you and somebody who's done it first. <laughs> yeah. So I would say the automotive industry, the biggest thing that I took away because I worked for, and and I I can say it, I worked for Toyota Motor Sales. Very cool. And working for that company, one of the biggest things that I took away was they're really great about providing really great training. It's a wonderful training round. And Mm. the biggest thing that I took away was about this idea of continuous improvement, not just resting on, you know, your laurels and yeah, we have, you know, this great product and, you know, it's our bread and butter and, you know, everyone loves it and everyone buys it. But it's really about how do we continuously approve upon our processes? And that is something that I've taken into pretty much every role that I've done. And I try to also bring it into into higher education, but, you know, not make it seem as if, you know, it's, it's something corporate related. But we should always be continuously mm. improving, right, on everything that we're doing, even in our personal life. Right. And so hmm. I think that was my main takeaway from working at Toyota. Great training ground. The toy industry. Uh, <laughs> so that is where I spent probably the majority of toys. my years. Like it's just, just toys. Yeah. Yes. yes. And I, I, there was really some really, really great times that I, that I've enjoyed, you know, working for, for Mattel. And I would say that, and, and I've worked, I started out on the boys side of the business, working on toys for, you know, what they call the category was like male action entertainment. And so these were toys that were designed for, for film. So I worked on like the toys for Batman Begins and Dark Knight, some other ones. I did some anime and then I worked on Hot Wheels and then I eventually transitioned into Barbie. Hmm. And the toy industry is a very volatile industry and it's, it's also stressful. <laughs> it's also stressful. Hmm. But I, I am just, I was just so amazed at like just the level of innovation that comes about like every season. Like when you think about it, 
when you have to essentially redo or, you know, come up with new and exciting ideas, it's tough. Like, cause it's like toys is toys. Like how many different ways can you make a doll or, you know, what are all the different like features? But, but there's always something you can do. And I think one of the things that I took away from, from working in the toy industry was how we approach trying to like innovate and come up with like different toy ideas. And so we would always kind of start out, Mm. you know, preparing for the season, doing a brainstorm and, and trying to get inspiration from, you know, different things or different activities. So sometimes we would go to a play or we would take a cooking class or, you know, just various activities. Right. And you would probably think, Mm. well, okay, what does that have to do with your job? Y'all just sound like you're having fun. (laughs) And it was, we were having fun, but when you're relaxed and you are having fun and you are doing certain things, it also brings back a level of inspiration too. And you're able to kind of extract certain things to be able to innovate, you know, with your products. And so I too have also brought back that concept of, okay, so if I'm, if we're trying to think about something and if we're, as people like to say, people like to use this, you know, phrase, you know, thinking out the box, how are we thinking outside of the box? And even when you think about like higher education, people may think just within the confines of education, right? But what are some things that are happening in other Mm -hmm. industries that you can possibly apply and, you know, make it, you know, make it fit, obviously, you know, to your audience or population. But what are the different ways that we can innovate within education, but maybe taking inspiration from somewhere else? And that is something that I, I definitely took from the toy industry. And I never, ever want to lose that, even though now I've, you know, been in education for, you know, a little bit of years now. But I never, ever want to lose <laughs> that, that, that whole idea of trying to innovate and, you know, think of different ways to to be and, and to serve ultimately our students. Absolutely. I, I love that. The little bit of years got me, you know, they got me because like mind your business, just know I've been, I've been in the game. <laughs> so, I'm with it. Yeah, I, I caught it. I caught that. I caught that like for my birthday this year. Um, I told people. My, my business year is old. Or mind your business year is old. So yeah, that's funny. But I, I love that. Thank you for sharing the experience. And so I want to tap really quickly into this idea of you having made a career transition because yes. if you go from corporate where, you know, where the money reside mm-hmm. and being able to have these, just this lifestyle that is the one that maybe you would always dreamed of and to like go into education where I mean, we know pay inequities exist, but education, I think, is one of the spaces where it's just no justice given to the work that's done. You know, when it comes to like being able to make money, you can make money. But what does that look like? Where do you have to go? Or I mean, a lot of us have, you know, a lot of us who in higher ed have side hustles or have had. I mean, I didn't before. But anyway, the point being that (laughs) how did you become okay with making that decision to just shift the career because it meant shifting the money? And mm-hmm. you know, we like to make our money. So what was that like? Yeah. yeah. So I think it really has to, everything has to kind of align in, mm-hmm. in, in your life. Right. So I, if you would have asked me like years ago, you know, I would say like maybe in my early twenties, like, you know, would you, you know, leave corporate America or would you try to, you know, be an entrepreneur? I would say no and no. I like my check every two weeks. Yep. 
I know what date and where the, where the direct deposit is going to hit and all of that, right? And then you move into higher ed where it's like you get paid once a month, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, something like that. But as I said, I was looking for a change hmm. and I wanted to find meaning in my work. And I wanted to also be able to have flexibility. Now, yeah, there there are, you know, pay inequities that, that do exist. But I also feel that given where I was in, in, in my life, I felt like it just kind of came at the right time. I, I needed flexibility. I wanted to be able to work from home. So I was, I've been working from home even before, you know, the pandemic, you know, because I, I was doing kind of various like adjunct work. And so I would just, you know, be on campus, you know, what I needed to be. And then I would come home and that for where I was in my life, like th- that's, that was great and 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 it's great now i mean minus the pandemic because i now i feel like i'm now i feel like i'm at home too much you know but you know taking the pandemic away i i i love what i do because i'm able to not just work from home but i can you know i'll be on college campuses uh because i i work with colleges within the los angeles and orange county region so i'm on the road and Sometimes I have to, you know, fly up to meetings in Sacramento and because, you know, that's where the chancellor's office is for California community colleges. And so sometimes I'd have to go up there. And so I felt like I've been feeling like it's been more fulfilled. And so and, you know, there's other things that you can do, whether it's like, you know, consulting on the side or, you know, doing adjunct work. And, and I kind of put a lot of that to the side because I was in my doctoral program and I just, just finished my doctoral program. And so mm. I feel like you can, you know, supplement in other ways. And I feel like everyone should be supplementing in other ways. You do need to have multiple streams of income. If there was anything that I learned, you know, one, from being laid off, but also two, from the, the you know, financial crisis, you know, back in 08, you need to have multiple streams of income. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think that, that, you know, that that also helps. And it, and it helps when you love what it is that that you do and you feel like, OK, like I'm I'm doing good work and I'm working with good people and who are really passionate about, you know, closing equity gaps and really, um, you know, looking for ways that we can improve student success. And so, you know, Hmm. that that for me for where I am right now that will that it works and you know who knows what you know I might want like in some years from now or even a year from now but for for right now I think I think this is great I'm so so glad that I made the transition because I feel like I'm I'm a healthier person in in my mind professionally Hmm. speaking yeah Amen to that. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, you know what? No matter where you go, there's going to be something. You just have to know what you're willing to deal with. I guess that's what I'll say. Absolutely. And what I love about what you mentioned just about your journey, period, you have, you had the education, you had the experience, you worked in automotives, you worked in the toy industry, in industries that anybody would look at and say, well, you good, you good, you straight, but you still mm-hmm. got laid off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's just this idea of this preparation. And that's one that's challenging, you know, to just experience emotionally, mentally. I'm, you know, I'm sure to figure out what's next. 
But even in corporate where the profits are for profit, like there are still places where they'd be like, all right, we'll need you back. And that happens. And so the fact that you learn from that, but you move forward, but then you were able to still think more strategically about your life and what you needed and wanted having had corporate experiences, I think is just a great lesson for anybody who's listening themselves and thinking about a career change or may have experience a layoff, like sit with yourself and identify, like you said, that flexibility. There's nothing like having summers off <laughs> and vacations mm-hmm. like in higher ed. Exactly. Flip side is, yeah, you know, the pay may not be corporate pay, but there's a lifestyle that you can still lead that you just can't find, you know, anywhere else but entrepreneurship. So I'll definitely say that. So I think that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And they, you know, again, it really kind of goes back to also what's going in your personal life. And so like at the time, my mom was recently diagnosed with Lewy body dementia and my, my family had moved from New York to Atlanta, you know, some years ago. And had I not made this transition, I wouldn't have had the flexibility to be going back and forth. And, right. you know, you know, being like, you know, with my mom, like if I need to, like if we weren't in a pandemic, I, I'd probably be talking to you from Atlanta. You know, I, you know, because I was going back, I would say like every like, you know, six or so weeks and and I was able to do that. And so, again, it really kind of has to line up with what is most important in in your life, hmm. you know, at, at the time. And, you know, every everything else will 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 follow. But um, that that was also something that that was uh, was also helpful, you know, to me. And I wouldn't have been able to do that at Mattel or Toyota because I'd be look, looking like, okay, how many days of vacation do I have left? Okay, I can only do one. Yeah. only do one day over here. And if okay, maybe I do it for around a holiday. And we got that Monday off. We got President's Weekend. Like it, it was too much. It would have been too much. It would have been too much. You know, so. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think it also speaks to the fact that you can make really good money, but when do you have time to enjoy it? Mm. Because of how, you know, you are expected to be at work all the time and, you know, 40 hour weeks are so easily become 60 hour weeks. But I think, you know, the challenge too, if you're in an education space, how it can be the same, but it's kind of like, at least, you know, you got a break and you'll still make money and still have that break. Exactly. And I was traveling. Mm-hmm. I know, and, but yeah, but you get to see the world. But I said it's just a matter of what's important to you. And one of the reasons, you know, I mentioned in an IG post not too long ago that it's the idea of choosing a lifestyle that I can take better care of myself. But then the flip mm-hmm. side of that is just this lifestyle period. So my husband can be like, "Hey, I want to go do this particular thing," and I can be like, "You know what? I think I can make that work with my schedule." And then we can do yeah. it. But I can't because you know this, and I just remember being there, and I'm like. Something's going to have to give. So I got to make this work because I just love the lifestyle too much. So thank you yeah. for just you know, pointing that out. We definitely appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. So just thinking like, you know, just about where you are just right now. What do you think has helped you continue to be successful, you know, just in your life? And, you know, I would even be curious to know, how do you define this success? What is that to you? Mm. Success is definitely not how much money you make, but it's really about are you happy with doing what you are doing does it fulfill you and at the end of the day like even if you're working say you know a gazillion hours like in in a, in a day one day like are you still fulfilled or is it really just like just draining you 
right? And you're saying, wow, like I really worked a lot of hours, but man, the, what, what I'm about to produce is going to be really fantastic, right? <laughs> you know, and so I think that is what it means to be successful. I think in times past, like I've always kind of identified myself based on my job and you know because it was cool right like yeah you know I work in the toy industry and I'm this you know but at the end of the day once I that was taken away from me what was I who was I Mm. right and so and that's what I had to sit with myself and I did that for a year and thankfully I was you know I I was able to do that but, you know, I just really spent a lot of time inside and just really kind of thinking through my life. Like, who is it that I want to be? What is important to me at this stage of my life? And so I think that, you know, really, you know, it's really about does what you do fulfill you? And that is what success looks like. And I think what has helped me to be successful and navigate through these different industries that I've spoken to you about I would say, first off, having a trusted group of what I call personal board of directors. Each Hmm. person on your personal board of directors should come with their different levels of backgrounds and expertise. People who are there to encourage you, to provide resources if you need, constructive criticism. That has been so essential for me. And, you know, and this is not just a one-way exchange. It's a two-way exchange. So whatever I can give, I will also do. But it's being able to have like a trusted group, of, as I say, I like to call them my, my personal board of directors, to be able to to go to and say, you know, to, to person A, hey, you know, I know you're really good with, you know, uh, branding and marketing. You know, wh- hey, I'm, I'm, I'm about to do, you know, this particular project. What do you think about this? Do you think it's on the right track? Can you give me like your your eye? You know, let me know what you think. You know, someone who who's in education, you know, m- matter of fact, it's because of my personal board of directors that I am actually able to be in education because they help me to navigate how to penetrate education right Mm. and Mm. you know what are the things that i need to know who is who are the people that i need to speak to now some people may may speak of that as mentors right we always talk about mentors but i don't know mentors for me seems like a very official (laughs) type of thing where it's like like an interview like hey can you be my mentor (laughs) and and for me it's, Mm. it's not like that it's really about identifying people in your circle and most of the folks in my circle are women, black women, and saying, mm-hmm. you know, you know what, I see this about you and I really like that. Like I I aspire to have those qualities or to have a, you know, that kind of expertise or, you know, something like that. And really kind of relying on on that and not being afraid to ask for for help. I would also say that uh, being able to and I, this is so underrated but you need to be able to read the room wherever you go and look at what, not just what people are saying and doing, but what they don't say and what they don't do, right? I think when, you know, because and sometimes, you know, it might involve you not really like saying much, like you can be in a meeting and, you know, there's some meetings where I might not say too much, but I'm observing and I'm watching what people say. Mm. 
and what they do and what they don't say and what they don't do. And I'm able to, you know, to extract and kind of like make some informed, you know, decisions like along the way. So I think it really applies in any situation, but folks need to be able to read the room. <laughs> mm, all the time. Yeah, all the time. You just, yeah, all the, all the time. And sometimes the room you're supposed to be in, so just turn around and walk out. <laughs> yeah. You just do your thing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So, so many gems, so much wisdom that you've shared. And, you know, just a, a life you have lived thus far, you know, say Brooklyn native, literally crossed the country to start a new path. You know, you lived in Maryland, even mm-hmm. just really just doing what you need to do and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And then to be a, a, a woman of color, black woman in a space where mm-hmm. you have maybe not always been invited, but you let the folks know you were there anyway. Yeah. And yeah. To, to make some serious moves for yourself, but then to also, I wasn't trying to do this on purpose, but to reimagine STEM. It just mm-hmm. worked, but you know, to be yeah. able to walk into this space and to make a difference, it's truly beautiful to watch. And I just love connecting, you know, with us, you know, black women, first generation college graduates, you know, professional women, entrepreneurs, because I know that's up the pipeline for you too. We're going to have yes. you back, you know, with, with that because it's there, it's there. Yes, absolutely. But I just want to say just congratulations, you know, for all that you've been able to accomplish and for what you're doing to change the world and just say, you know, just continually just thank you for your work because it matters that you exist. And similar to like, you know, the conversation I had with Dr. Chandler and one with um, a therapist named Alicia, it's about mm-hmm. believing in what you can see. And so yeah. you can, when people are looking at you, especially in California, where I know the, the population is more Latinx, you know, in Asian Pacific Islander there, to be a Black woman present for Black students, I think it's, you know, just really, not that you're not for all students, I'm going to make that very clear, but yeah, the fact yeah. that you can be a role model and help somebody else to aspire to something. So really loving that. But before we go, though, just got to know, yeah. just got to know, The piece of advice or words of wisdom that you like to leave us with, what's that? It's it's funny because I actually, I have this on on my my Twitter. If your dreams don't scare you, you are not thinking big enough. That is something that has literally, I think, defined my life. Even as, as you said, like moving to California... I didn't know anybody in California and I didn't know, I was like, what, what is this going to be like? But I felt like there was something for me and I needed to do it. And I went and it was scary. Like, I mean, after the, the, the novelty wore off the first month, I'm sitting in my apartment with no furniture and I sat in the middle of the, the room on my carpet. Like, I want to go home. Mm. <laughs> I really want to go home. Like, what am I doing? I need to go back to New York. But I was able to to do it and 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 to make it going into my doctoral program. Oh my God, that was hugely scary for me, just because of my my you know own kind of imposter syndrome of uh, you know not feeling like I'm you know good enough for this or good enough for that. And you know, and I was like, well, you know, folks was trying to encourage me to to apply and. I said, like, all right, if I get in, I'll do it. If I don't, I won't. And honestly, I really didn't think I was going to get in. And so I then got in and, and I was like, okay, I got in. We'll see what the first mm-hmm. semester is like. 
and it probably won't go well. So, you know, then, then that will be that. But then every semester, it was like, it was fine. It was fine. I'm still here, fine. right? <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I'm still here. Like an answer, yeah. I'm still here. I know that's <laughs> real. Know? Come on now. <laughs> I'm still here. And so, yeah. And so I, you know, but all the while, it scared me. It, it really just... Yeah, it, it, all everything that I've done, it always scared me. But, but I think that in doing these different things, I think it allowed me to push myself a little bit beyond what I am used to, so I can talk to you today and to be able to offer you know words of advice to anyone who may be listening. And I think that is the beauty. That is the beauty of life. And so I think you know that is you know one piece of advice. You know, just kind of push yourself a little bit. It would have been really easy for me to stay in corporate America. I could do that with, with my eyes closed. But what do I really want to do? Absolutely. What is something that can fulfill me so I can be better? Hmm. Absolutely. All about being fulfilled. Life is short. You got to love it. Every part yeah. of it. So I am here for it. Dr. Natal, you have just given me all the life today. Thank you yeah. for that, for just your energy, for your light. This has been good. And then again, I've talked to somebody who's worked in the toy industry, Lord. And like, you know, I was like, come on, you know, I think all the toys I've ever had, it's like, yeah, somebody does, like this, somebody does this. Like, yeah, duh. Yeah. yeah. I'm still surrounded by my toys. I, I still got my toys in my Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. That is so cool. Gotta Yay. check that. That is so cool. But listen, for those of you who have enjoyed this as much as I have, please do go connect with Dr. Natal. Go hit the link in the session notes and get to the link to be able to just get straight to her profile to try to make it easy rather than trying to go write down a name and what did she say is there for you already. But again, Dr. Mm-hmm. Natal, just continue to wish you well in all that you do. And thank you for being here and know that we here at the First Gen Lounge, we got you back and we wish you well. And just again, just thank you for dropping so much knowledge today. And thank you. Thank you for creating this space. Thank you for having me. I I just so appreciate you and I appreciate your podcast. I've been loving your episodes. And so just keep on doing what you're doing and keep on being a success, you know, for what you are doing. You're amazing and you're a beautiful woman and just in in every single way. And so thank you. Thanks for creating this space. Oh, Terry, Terry, you see, look at you. You you plan a day. Thank you so much. Oh, that means a lot to me. I love it. I love it. We're definitely going to do this again. But look, have a good one. We'll talk soon. (laughs) Okay. Wonderful. Bye-bye.